This is Ron Moss from the heart. On um, February 21st, I was uh, working and remembered, actually my baby sister called me and reminded me that it was my oldest sister's birthday and to make sure that I give her a call to uh, wish her happy birthday. I called her uh, later on that afternoon. Um, She lives in Maryland, and we talked for a few minutes, and she mentioned to me if I get a chance to pull up an article uh, in a newspaper out of Washington, D.C., where an African-American sister who had lived under a bridge for over 10 years had died due to freezing temperatures. Uh, I was somewhat amazed by the story, uh, not surprised, but somewhat amazed by the story uh, and pulled it up when I got off the phone with her. And what was also interesting before she hung on the phone, she said that my brother-in-law was related to her. And so that even kind of drew more interest for me to, to look at this story. And as I pulled it up in the paper uh, uh, and on the internet, it talked about how this community had rallied around this lady who was in her 50s and had been living under a particular bridge for about 10 years. Apparently, she had had a mental episode uh, by the loss of a loved one. It caused her to move from the residence and decided to make her new residence under a bridge and proceeded to live there. And family members would come by and try to talk to her and try to influence her to leave. Uh, Other agencies uh, who dealt with mental health issues would try to come by and, and try to convince her that she could you know, possibly live somewhere where, you know, assistance would be provided for her to live in an actual uh, housing unit, um, subsequently apartment, house, whatever, um, halfway house, whatever it was going to take to get her from under the bridge. But her uh, state of mind was that she wanted to stay there. And by you being an adult, uh, whether you have a mental illness or not, your decisions are your decisions. And it made me think about, you know, with everything that's happening right now, uh, how we are closed in, you know, because of the pandemic and do not travel as much and do not visit as much and do not actually see people face to face as much as we used to. You know, how prevalent more than any time now that mental health or mental disorder issues particularly in the African-American community, are probably going on. And it's, it's a subject that we very rarely talk about. I think the unfortunate thing for us is that when there is something happening that we don't understand, we tend to not talk about it. Or something that may be uncomfortable, we tend to not talk about it. And we kind of put it on what I call the back burner. That means we put it in the back part of our brain and hope that it never comes back up in a conversation so we never have to deal with it. You you know, you might have that family member that's uh, strung out on crack, and you only see them every blue moon. So the only time you think about them is when the moon is blue. 
and they show up and, and you talk to them for a few minutes and they leave. And the hope is you won't see them again for another six to eight months. And that's how we are about having people that we know that may have some mental disorder or some mental illness. And it's a subject, particularly in our community, that we just don't like to talk about. One of many subjects that we as a family don't like to talk about. When you're grown, when you're growing up and you are told at a very young age that what happens in this house stay in this house. Uh, that's the kind of atmosphere that you've grown up with, that your family business is your family business. It makes you less likely to go and talk to anybody where there could be a mental situation going on in your home, in your environment. It could be your mother. It could be your father. It could be a sister or brother. It could be an aunt and uncle. And the only way, because there are no professionals in your family who are trained in that arena to help somebody, the only possible way to get that type of help is outside of the family structure. And because you've been told to keep this at home, that person doesn't get the necessary help they need. And that problem persists and that problem grows and it gets worse and it gets worse. I wanted to really, you know, do this the right way. And so I'm one of those people that kind of, if I don't know, I, I try to look it up. And so I, I, I went in and I said, define in my phone and said, define mental illness. And what came up was mental disorder. And it says also called mental illness. It says a wide range of conditions that affect mood, thinking, and behavior. And then it's got most common types. The first most common type is clinical depression. A mental health disorder characterized by a persistently depressed mood or loss of interest in activities causing significant impaired in daily life. And then there's something called anxiety disorder. A mental health disorder characterized by feelings of worry, anxiety, or fear that are strong enough to interfere with one's daily activities. And then there's bipolar disorder, a disorder associated with episodes of mood swings ranging from depressive lows to manic highs. And then people ask the question of what is defined as mental illness. A health conditions are health conditions involving changes in emotion, thinking or behavior, or a combination of these. Mental illnesses are associated with distress and or problems functioning in social work or family activities. And what really surprised me sort of that it said mental illness is common, uh, which means that a lot of us at one point in time or over a lifetime uh, could be or could still be dealing with mental health issues. Uh, I looked in up and it said black and African American communities and mental health. It says that there's 13.4% of the U.S. population identifies as black or African-American. Of those over 16%, which is over 7 million people, reported having a, having a mental illness in the past year. 
I mean, that's something to really think about. I mean, it says 16%, 4.8 million of black and African people reported having mental illness. And 22.4% of those 1.1 million people reported a serious mental illness over the past year. Serious mental illness rose among all blacks and African-American people between 2008 and 2018. Despite rates being less than overall U.S. population, major depressive episodes increased from 9% to 10.3% in the black and African-American youth ages 12 to 17, 18 to 25, 26 to 49. I guess what I'm saying is, and it also mentioned, I, I think I need to add this, that depression and mental illness can also add to suicide thoughts or suicide in general. And particularly in our community, the suicide rate is rising. And, and again, you know, there are health professionals out there. I, I thought about the lady again who died under the bridge. And then I thought about here locally, people that I've seen, people that I see now who uh, are on the streets all day that we all identify with. And we know that there is probably something going on mental with them. And instead of, at least for my perspective, I'll have to put me in this, instead of me being an advocate to at least have my own peace of mind that I try to interact or try to do something or try to research and get information on that individual or individuals that I usually become a part of those group of people that ride by and just say, oh, there they go. Oh, there he goes. And just kind of identify the fact that I see them. I also identify the fact that I'm sure they've got something going on upstairs. You know, they have something, some episode or something that has caused them to be in that condition. But as I, along with other millions of people, make decisions every day not to get involved, not to do anything about it, not to help this individual, not to treat this individual as just as important as I am, just as important as a family member of mine is, just as important as my own children are, that I treat this individual as their condition is their condition. And the sad reality is, is that there could be somebody in my family right now who could be experiencing some mental health issues. And because we as a family don't talk about it, because we as a family don't mention, you know, I was, I was thinking about this as I was doing this research. I was thinking about family reunions that I, we, I've been a part of for years, father, uh, family gatherings that I've been associated with for years. And one of the subjects that has never come up, at least that I can remember, is when as a family we talked about mental illness or mental disorder. And it wasn't that we didn't have it in our family, because all families do. It's just a subject that is not really one that we talk about. If you think about it, there's a lot of stuff going on that we just don't talk about, that we just kind of make decisions that it's just a, it just doesn't need to come up. And I can remember many years ago, uh, my grandmother was one of 13 kids. 
Uh, I hope my numbers are right. If I, if not, I'll be corrected. Trust me. Um, and one of my aunts had a mental disorder. And I remember going and visit, visiting her at a uh, facility. I think it was in uh, either Columbia. I was young. I was, I was a child. But I remember us going to this mental institution. And I knew it because it was explained to me that way. And I think the term that we were accustomed to using at that time was the crazy house. You know, that we were going to the crazy house to see my aunt uh, because she had some mental issues. And, and I remember going and visit her. And I remember as, as much as I can remember seeing all these beds kind of lying down the wall and a large facility, like almost like a large prison that was open. You know, there were no necessary, like necessarily sales, but it was just an open. And I remember everything seemed metal. I just remember metal. You know, everything was structured metal. And and I remember visiting with her and and talking with her. And and in my mind, I was saying, well, why isn't she going back with us? You know, why why she seemed normal to me. Why uh, is she not traveling back to South Carolina? She's traveling back to Clemson with us. And, uh, and it just made me kind of think about the fact that, you know, once we left her, it left our mind. It left mine. I, I never really thought about her again until she died. And, and I think about how, it, and I, I want to touch on uh, our young population because, again, if you grow up, and this is important, if you grow up in a system of quietness or quiet in your family structure, that means if you grow up in an environment where no one talks about issues. See, that there used to be a thing back in the day where families would actually come together. They would pick a day and they would come together. They would sit down at the dinner table and and they would talk or sit down in the living room and they would talk. Uh, I, I used to do it all the time with my daughter and my niece because uh, my father did it with me. And um, and we would basically have an open conversation. Is there anything anybody want to talk about? And then usually we would deal with a subject or an issue either going on in the family or the extended family or issue outside of the family that needed to be discussed. So nobody would be walking around not knowing what was going on in your environment, in your geographical homeland or location. Those things have gone away now. Uh, we're either too uncomfortable to talk to our sons and our daughters or we're too busy to talk to our family members. And so because of that, that individual or individuals that are going through something will look for other things that they can associate with healing them from whatever anxiety or whatever disorders or whatever illnesses that are going on that they perceive in their mind. They look for help from other resources that either hurt them more or cause them to distance themselves more from not just reality, but that the fact that nobody really cares about them.
And that's sad because there is somebody right now, probably right at this moment, who's out there homeless right now, trying to figure out how they're going to live another day. And because no one has approached them and nobody has talked to them, uh, they're talking to themselves. Their converse, their best conversation is with themselves. They're begging. They're looking in trash cans. They're doing whatever it takes to because that's where they are in life. I want you to think about this, and I, I have to do this all the time until it gets in everybody's head. God's greatest commandment. Love God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And then it says to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. Can I define neighbor in, in my definition of neighbor? Is anybody that you see that need assistance or need help? That's your neighbor. That doesn't mean that you have to be the one. But you're the one that I that has to be the one that identifies that individual. And then you look for others. If you don't have the skill set to help them, you look for others to help them. Him or her or them. I still believe that we can make it together. If we want to. God bless you. May heaven smile upon you. Oh, yeah. Peace.